pretty cool. It is a countdown. Oh, sorry, we've actually started. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to uh, Don't Listen to This podcast all about the thousand and one albums to listen to before you die or allegedly should listen to. Uh, I'm your host, Ewan Gledo. I'm a journalist of a, at least a year's experience, and I think that qualifies me to talk on a lot of albums. I write for Daily Star, Cult Following, Clapper, Geek Show. I've, I've appeared on a variety of podcasts about music, and I talk a lot about music, as you can see probably behind me. I do have music. I own music. So that's that 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 is my certificate of employment essentially. But I am uh, joined by a very lovely guest um, who, if you'd like to introduce yourself, or I can say your name as if you're some sort of king that we've called in from a distant <laughs> land. <laughs> it's me. It's me. Yeah, that's your name. Me. It's it's Nicolo Grasso. I think I've pronounced your name right. I've never. I've always yes, wondered that. Yes. Yes. You did. You did. <laughs> we've we've done podcast together for about two years and i still don't know how to pronounce your name um it's crazy yeah yeah but nick you're a filmmaker writer podcaster italian everything's good <laughs> about life um i guess <laughs> what have, have you been what have you been listening to music wise recently i've been doing great i've been listening as always to a lot of soundtracks um, that's how I usually travel the world of music, you know, it's either like the latest film soundtracks or some video game soundtracks. Um, I've recently been replaying the video game Alone in the Dark from oh. 2008, the... which, oh, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is not good, or at least it hasn't aged very well. It's very janky, but the soundtrack to that is fantastic. It's like, I don't even remember, like... Uh, choirs from eastern europe that have like this haunting chants throughout the game it's very epic it's very bold bombastic i love it that you're playing the game you keep like crashing into stuff and you can barely move around it's very janky but that's what's been fueling my days you know like at, at in the office writing some boring things for work yeah. and you just have this chance <laughs> and they're like yeah it's... write about museums and paintings yeah <laughs> exciting <laughs> there's always that one song <laughs> that you kind of latch onto for a couple of weeks where it's like, I've got to listen to this. For me, it's been a beat connection by LCD sound system. Just the, the volume and the, 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 the sheer veracity of it. It's really helps me focus. It's, it's a great gym song, but it's also a great, I've got 20 minutes before this deadline song. Um, <laughs> but, but speaking of good music, uh, thank you very much for appearing on this episode where hey, I, thank I, think, you for having I, I remember, mentioning to you that i was doing this a while ago and you you said essentially put me down for anything beatles related so i did and here we are um starting with what i believe is essentially one of the last recorded albums by the beatles um i think it is the last recorded album by the beatles because let it be although it released later was recorded before so we are at the end <laughs> of the road for john paul george and the other one um, <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure we'll get into that so I mean, poor fella. <laughs> I'm going to bore you a moment and read out what Robert Dimery and his collection of merry journalists wrote about Abbey Road. In, oh, please in, do in, in in the book, and this is word for word, um, and it didn't make much sense to me, but it is word for word. Um, so let's let just let's just set the scene. Abbey Road, 1969. Beatles. It's uh, genres apparently, and I'm sure we'll get into this. Are pop, blues, and progressive rock. Those are the big three. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, obviously, John Lennon, Ringo Starr, Paul McCartney, George Harrison—you know—very much made the the sounds that we all cherish today. Um, that album behind me, which I've got Abbey Road on vinyl, literally got delivered about five minutes ago because I thought it'd be a nice little backdrop. 
for the episode. So I panic bought Abbey Road. Um, Perfect timing right there. <laughs> not, not a bad album to have on vinyl. Uh, it, it marks the second Beatles album I've got. But oh. I didn't write down who wrote this because I don't really think it matters. Um, because it's our thoughts that matter. <laughs> um, but Truly. somebody for the 1001 albums wrote, often neglected in the Beatles' all-time best album polls in favour of the more technical of Sgt. Peppers and the darker, less orthodox revolver, the Beatles' last recorded album, Let It Be, was merely the last to see the light of day, is a shimmering, never-predictable array of songs and song fragments. It is as progressive as anything the quartet ever recorded and stuffed full of emotional twists and turns thanks to their chaotic final years together now coming to a messy close. Now that first paragraph sets the scene quite well. The Mm -hmm. Beatles at that point were a bit flustered with one another. They weren't particularly keen to spend much time with each other. I think the best example of that, I'm sure we'll talk about later, is Maxwell's Silver Hammer, um, Mm -hmm. which is a brilliant song. Fucking hell, honestly, it took me a long time to convince myself it was, but I digress. Uh, Despite the fundamental differences at this stage, McCartney and Lennon were still capable of writing searing material. George Harrison, for so long lumped in with Ringo Starr as a fabs, also ran compared to the other two stellar members, had become a serious songwriter, contributing the awe-inspiring something, and here comes the sun. Probably the sweetest song John and Paul never wrote. But the vitriol, ecstasy, and social commentary of Lennon and McCartney is what makes Abbey Road, or as it's written here, rude. (laughs) <laughs> and oh, essential, no. and they come through with a vengeance. There is a, the sexual swamp rock have come together. The psychedelic monster I want you, she's so heavy, highlighted by McCartney's nimble bass playing, and of course that unique side two song suite, loved and loathed by Beatles heads in equal measure. Sun King is a musical dose of LSD. Golden Slumbers is the band at their most nursery rhyme epic, and the end is a prophetic dose of virtuosity on which everyone takes a solo, even Ringo. That's a lot to fit into three paragraphs, so very well done yeah. on all that. Um, I suppose before we dive into that, I do want to ask, what you know, you, you said very quickly, I want to do the Beatles and alongside <laughs> a couple of artists. Um, have you got any memories with this album? Have you got anything that attaches you to it? I'm, I wouldn't consider myself very much an album kind of guy. Um, even though growing up, we, we did have, we still do have actually quite a lot of CDs, over his albums, um, I never quite spent time listening to them. I never was one of those kids who's just, you know, sit down and listen to an album, put it in the background, uh, again, outside of some soundtracks. But with the Beatles, I think they're such a massive, massive band where it's very hard to kind of pinpoint where you first heard them. But I managed, like, even talking to my parents, I was like, does the timeline fit? And we managed to narrow it down that it was circa... 2002 when i first like was aware of the beatles which was with here comes the sun there was a commercial on tv that used here comes the sun it was like it it was like to promote energy like uh, clean energy or whatever and there was like this little animated guy just waking up and oh it's sunny outside and uh, walking through the neighborhood everyone's jolly and happy i was like but this sounds this song's good. Like five-year-old me was like, I like this song. You know, it's cute. Um, which coincidentally is a song from from Abbey Road. As I was going through the list, I was like, man, Abbey Road has some bangers in here. Oh yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy to think that it was one of the one of the last albums they recorded, um, one of the last things they did together. Because it's it's memorable. Like I listened to it twice now over the past day, and 
so many of these songs like i do love the beatles i have like a collection soundtrack a collection album like 60 of their songs i think from all all their eras um i was like man there are so many good ones that they're really loving here um and plus like the the album cover of this is properly iconic iconic. it's really like top 10 album covers of all time in terms of just being so popular it has ruined the actual abbey road (laughs) you cannot go there just for fun there's fans everyone wants to walk i was gonna go because i fancied a trip to see it but i thought it's not worth the hassle we've got photoshop now i'll just drop myself in um it's like the joker staircase (laughs) same same thing it is it is (laughs) It's um, it's rather telling that the imagery of the album is essentially as iconic as the music on it, and I think that is yeah. something that the Beatles perfected. Essentially, you've got Sgt. Pepper's Revolver, Rubber Soul; they're all iconic. If if you say the name of that album, it starts clicking in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have many connections to this album. Um, I think I can pinpoint the first time I properly listened to the Beatles too, and I'm really glad you brought it up yesterday. The Beatles rock band, um. <laughs> I one of the few games I still play, and I don't know if I swiveled my chair the right way. If you can see, oh, nice. no, you, you might be able to see it there. There's a guitar here, a the guitar, yeah. It's next to Steven Gerrard, yes. Um, he, he's a company. He's, <laughs> I wish he wasn't, but um, <laughs> I, I used to play Beatles rock band a lot at uh, uni. Not not because my flatmates particularly enjoyed the Beatles, but because it was cheap, and I found it in a charity shop, and I thought I'll I'll rattle out some Beatles theme tunes. Um, <laughs> But I remember that that game had Don't Let Me Down on, which I would still maintain as my favourite Beatles song. Um, mm. I think that's from the Let It Be sessions, though. But it also, uh, if you, I think it was downloadable content, it had Maxwell's Silver Hammer on it, which is a, a song that John Lennon hated so much he refused to participate in the recording of it. Um, Some would say all the better for it. <laughs> well, you, you say that, <laughs> you're, uh, you're not wrong. Um... I suppose the impact of this album, obviously, aside from the imagery, is it, it, it's a it's a it's a cap on a decade of music that has lasted since 1969, which is you know easy come easy go for the Beatles, but it's something that a lot of artists tried to pursue and failed to do so. I think Abbey Road mm-hmm. is a defining album, and it feels silly to say that because it's it's been echoed by so many so often, and it it, it loses its meaning. But there isn't any way of getting around the fact that Abbey Road is like an essential album. It's it is one of the few that you can say everybody needs to listen to it if if they want to do anything in music, they've got to give it a go. Not not oh, just yeah. purely from the songs and the the enjoyment you can gain from them, but the technical perspectives and the the merits they have in the recording studios are ideas that would be replicated for decades after. It's um. I can't remember who said it, but it might just be an injury with my mates. I'm sure it's not, but it was essentially all all roads lead to the Beatles. Um, somewhere down the line, somewhere has influenced something, and it it'll all go back to John, Paul, George, or probably not Ringo. Um, but the tracks themselves are pretty good. They're, they're not bad, are they? Um, Man, yeah. You've got an air side that has two tracks that, without fail, would bring me to tears. Um, which are something in all darling, which are just Paul McCartney and George Harrison writing the hearts out with those Paul McCartney with that fucking boo what beat. And then that voice that he would rely on in band on the run later down the line and something George Harrison's masterclass is possibly the best song he ever wrote, which is 
you can say that about a lot of the tracks on Abbey Road. It's the, the best that someone got to, especially Ringo. With I hate to admit mm. it because it used to be a long running joke that I really can't stand Octopus's Garden, but I do enjoy <laughs> it. I'm happy to admit that now. I, I feel like as the first episode with a guest on this podcast, I should come clean to all the people at uni that thought I hate Ringo Starr. I do, but Octopus's Garden gets a free pass for being an Abbey Road supporter. What can you do? It's a, it's a- it's a cute song, you know. It's a very cute song, and and that's what surprised me because more often than not, when you have albums, there's always like one or two tracks that you really don't like, that you really want to skip. And while I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of a couple tracks in here, I do think they're all pretty solid. But yeah. when they're great, they are masterful. Something is one of my favorites. Um, so it's it's one of the simpler songs in here as well in terms of lyrics. It's very, very simple, very stripped down and basic, but it works. It has a lovely melody. It has the bridge that's incredible in there. Um, it's kind of a shame that it comes after Come Together. I think this may be a, you know, a bit of a controversial take. Ooh, that's cool. not one of my favorite songs. I've never been a fan of Come Together. Really? Outside of like the chorus, which is like, yeah, right now. <laughs> but like everything else, like, eh, that doesn't really do it for me. I don't know what, why. Who wrote that one, actually? Uh, Lennon wrote that one, so that might be... Mm. Are you not a fan of John Lennon just in general? I know, I, I don't I want actually to like... too, too far into talking about them as individual artists, because there are episodes that we'll be able to do that on, but... No, of course, of course. Is it but, Lennon uh, that's, that really gets you? No, I actually like John Lennon in general, oh. but there's all there's always like these songs here and there that just, I'm like... Eh, yeah. Well, it's, it's funny you should man. mention come together actually because that was a song he wrote for timothy leary's campaign against ronald reagan when he was running as a congressman ah. it was meant to be a protest song essentially mm-hmm. um I, I and i think it, it's the lyrical simplicity i i love come together i think it's brilliant i don't think it's like well see that's the thing it's like every beatles <laughs> song you can just say oh it's brilliant it's like it, it it's is the best ones <laughs> you've got <laughs> yeah they've got too many best ones um, if you ask me to rank all the Beatles songs, I'd probably forget about Come Together being there, but on Abbey Road, mm. it's like it's a really good album starter. It, it sets the mood nicely. It's True. a it's a maddening collection of tracks that sound really jolly and upbeat, but actually are plagued by really dark guilt, um, which was really surprising. Um, you know, Maxwell Silverhammer, which I, I know is the third time I've said Maxwell Silverhammer. But we've got to talk about it um, because the first time I listened to Maxwell Silverhammer and Abbey Road in general, I thought, yeah, it's a pretty good album. Um, how how little my mind was and still is um, because, you know, you give it a realist and you give it another go and then you, you read upon the technical merits as I've had to do. I've actually had to make notes for a podcast for once. Um, hey. But Maxwell Silverhammer was apparently Ringo Starr called it the most grueling recording of any song he's ever had to do. So because bizarre. Paul McCartney demanded perfection. He was adamant that they would get it right and get it all together. Now, that's a sound, especially with the Hammers, that, that is something that can be done in post-production now, essentially. But for the time, to if you wanted that sound, you would have to make that sound. Quite literally, you would have to make it. Um, I, and I can see the, the issues starting to mount with that. <laughs> but it's it's hard not to tear away from it this real impact. It's a, it's a very light and jolly song. I think Paul McCartney said something about it being a crossroads song, essentially, where you're going down but heading up. Um, mm-hmm. Because underneath that really light, 
it's a very jolly song, but it's it's a song about a man called Maxwell killing a person with a hammer. Um, and I think it's just smart writing that I can listen to that and think, oh, well, what a jolly song. Thanks for that, Paul. And not think at all about murderous hammers. Um, but that's yeah. the Beatles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they've always managed to to hide some very, very dark themes. And very, they have. You know, because yeah. you mentioned the, the like drugs as well. Drug use is often prominent in their latter latter half of their yeah. career and it's always so funny it's like it is jolly songs they have like your yellow submarines and whatnot and even in here it's it, it it it's always one of those things that i think shows growth on an individual is when they go from you know oh the song is good why is it good because i like the music and then they go oh i like the song because the lyrics as well play a part in it it's almost like you know i don't know like talking about uh I'm talking about a movie without focusing on the performances in any way. It's like those are kind of key to what's what's happening or the dialogue. It's the same with yeah. the with the lyrics. I think you cannot have. You, I mean, yeah, you can enjoy a song without focusing on the on the lyrics per se, but those are ultimately what elevates a good song from a great one. And so I was like, yeah, this is one of those songs, Maxwell Silverhammer. I I I'd heard before, not that many times. That's an instant classic for me now. <laughs> really? Is that like it's so, is it up there? It's it's up there. Like I, I would say probably most of the songs in the A side are Yeah, so that's what I wanted to ask you about actually, because mm-hmm. the first time I listened to Abbey Road, the B side kind of threw me. And I think that that, that to be mm. fair is noted in the insert, um, which I I read out in my lovely voice. Uh, maybe I'll get the guests to do that from now on, save my save my voice box. <laughs> um they essentially called it uh, a unique side two song suite, loved and loathed by Beatles heads. And I never considered somebody hating the B side. Um, it obviously it has rises and falls as any album does, but it's not mm-hmm. enough to say, Oh my God, what is this? What am I listening to? The only track I can think of that really does ruin Abbey Road for me. It's not even a track. Is the hidden one, Her Majesty, which is just like at the end. Yeah, it's like after the end, which is a brilliant song. Just a little insert, and it's not the fact that it is a song because it's not really. I have a real grumble about intro twenty second bits that essentially break up an album. If if it's on the track list thing, I'm rating it, and if it's on there, it's getting a score. So it's a not proper my problem. song. Damn it! It's. You know, I I can't do much about that. Her Majesty is like, it's just a jolly little thing, like a snippet that they wanted to put in between two songs on the B side, but just couldn't find the space for it. But apparently, that means I fucking slap it on the end. That'll do. That doesn't that doesn't mean you have to include it. That's what you know, they compilations spent, they spent are for. Spend the money. Spend the money on it, and they're like, yeah, we have to do it. I guess. <laughs> George Martin scratching his head in that recording studio, thinking, well, how on earth are we going to fit Paul's little shit in? Um. I'm glad it was cut from the actual B side, and I wonder what you think of, you know, have you got preferences? What do you think, an A side or B side? What's what's your go to with this one? Yeah. Definitely A side. Yeah, A side because there's the whole medley at the end of the B side, the so-called medley. I read up, I was like, oh, is it yeah. called the medley? I don't know. Exactly. Uh, but it's like this. No, it's the the collection of songs. I like them, but they don't hold the same impact as the majority of the songs in the first half. Yeah. Um, 
which is kind of why I, I, I put it down. But I think I think like the splitting point is with Here Comes the Sun, right? That's in the B side. Yeah, so that's the first track of the B side, I think. I'm going to double check, otherwise we're going to sound like idiots. I think it is. Yeah, it is. Here Comes the Sun. And then after that is Because. Um, yeah, which we, we, we are I love those two songs, I think, because it's also very underrated. Um, yeah. But but then like in the A side you end with I want you she's so heavy which is very it's, that's disqualifies yeah. prog rock right yeah, it's like yeah. I it's think that's six it minutes the, long prom, and they I really like it it's one again it's one of those songs that back in the day I didn't like yeah but the, over the past year I was releasing like two Beatles tunes in, in the album that I mentioned earlier the collection and I was like yeah. those prog rock songs are really freaking good and this is one of my favorites actually so when it popped up I was like oh man it's here. <laughs> It's very specific yeah. tones, very specific sounds that just transport you. Like it, it's, I think that's one of the powers of this album specifically is that it keeps changing tones and atmospheres. You have the playful songs, you have the romantic ballads, and you have this experimental, experimental tracks that aren't as out there as some of the other songs that they made in like '67 or '68. And so it's, it almost feels like a full meal, like one of the yes. best full meals you yeah. can have. Well, it's like, you know what, even though I don't necessarily love each each dish, it's such a good variety that I don't get tired of it. It's just like, mm, 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 and like some of them are delicious, <laughs> some of them are just, you know, just enough to cut in between one one meal and the other, you know, one food and the next. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Because I think f- for me, the air side as well, that's, it, it is six tracks of absolute perfection. Um, yeah. I, I could not break down for you what the best track of that one is, apart from it's probably all darling. Let's be fair. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 there, there's something to be said for the quality on that ear side, and I think what I love most about um, "I Want You, She's So Heavy" is that it just stops. It just stops. Just very mid note. Um, it's like right, get yourself turned over the B side. It's like <laughs> right, okay, sorry. Um, it's it is possibly my favorite Beatles ear side. If I was to take all of their albums throughout the years. And, that, and that's some stiff competition when you've got stuff like Sgt. Pepper's, which is the obvious choice that the insert mentioned, which um, apparently people prefer over Abbey Road. Um, with, hey, I, I mean, I was one of those people until I re-listened to it yesterday. Um, you're, you're a changed man now. I, you know me, I'm reformed. I'm for once wearing white rather than a black denim. Symbolism. <laughs> Symbolism. I've, I'm like the white album. Or Michael so Jackson at the, the Brit <laughs> But, um... As far as the B side goes, I think it's more. Uh, I really enjoy it, but I, I appreciate it more than anything because it, it always reminds me of uh, Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which obviously came after Abbey Road. But that continuation of tracks mm. where it's now my I don't want to get into Pink Floyd too much, and I don't want to cause much trouble because I don't know when I'm talking about Dark Side of the Moon on this podcast. But Ooh. I'm not particularly keen on Dark Side of the Moon. I think it's a very good album. Mm-hmm. I just think what Abbey Road does here, where it, blurs the songs together if i closed my eyes which i do often um <laughs> if i close my eyes and i'm listening to this or i'm not paying attention like so i listen to it on my phone um with, mm-hmm. with airpods i want blasting out the fucking bottom of my phone speakers but i could not tell you when the track shifted to the next one and i think it was um polythene pamint as she came in through the bathroom window i couldn't tell you when it switches mm-hmm. it's just a natural flow that has I, I think modernized itself well i think that has to be said where it's you know 
vinyls are a very different story because you yeah. know you're not processing a track you're not you're not pulling a track from the cloud and putting on someone's speaker um but even then with dark side of the moon i can notice those little jolts and flickers of right the track's changing when the effect is meant to be you can't tell um mm. and it, it's again it's the technical merits of the beagles there that it's they can do that so well and so seamlessly that it creates one long little track not even little it's about what 10 15 minutes but even then it has those rises and falls which is where i can kind of see why people would think oh okay well it's not quite for me um i suppose the highlights of that period though it's you know you've got sun king she came through the bathroom window and then you've got that break of you know golden slumbers carry that way at the end um Mm -hmm. But even then, it's stuff like Polythene Pam and Me and Mr. Mustard are, are great, but I don't think they'd work on their own. Like, you never give me money if that wasn't in there connected to all of that. I wouldn't go out of my way to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say that's probably the weakest track on the album, actually. You, um, you never give me your money. Oh, Other than I was going to say it's one of my favourites. Really? On the go B on. side, yes. What, what, yes. What, what about it do you like? Probably just the power of Paul, you know? Little Paul, his yeah. sweet voice. Um, it's 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 it has this melancholy, melancholic aura to it. Yeah, they just really vibe with. There's a few other Beatles songs like that that I really resonate with. Yesterday and and a couple more, yeah. um, like "Still My Guitar Gently Weeps." I think it's the name as oh, well. Oh yes, yeah. While uh, my guitar gently weeps, which was while my guitar. Harrison's writing. Yeah. There we go. Like. Those ones, like th- that type of Beatles sound, I really gravitate towards, and this feels yeah. very much in the same, um, in the same vein as those. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. Do you think it's the the acoustics, the more stripped back approach that they take on those tracks? Because yesterday, while my guitar gently weeps, very acoustic guitar heavy, very probably charged. Um, probably, yeah. Which, considering I I grew up with you know piano basically and mainly studying it yeah. and all that, I've I still find myself though drawn primarily to those acoustics. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's fascinating no. stuff. It's um, I find myself tethered to the whole. It's controversial to talk about it these days, but because of the impact of it and what it did to Let It Be, which released after mm. the road, but the wall of sound from Phil Spector, where it was essentially throw as much as you can at a song make it sound bombastic and explosive and it it works it it works in places mm. um like come together with the guitar and the bass sort of mushing together in in the mm. chorus it it's obviously it's not a wall of sound that we would see the likes of Phil Spector use but it it has the flickers it has the remnants of something being loud and boastful and 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 even almost difficult to approach um yeah just this loud noise, this creative burst. And I suppose it's, I like loud music. Obviously, um, first episode of this, talked about the best album ever made, Different Class. Um, Feeling Called Love has this just crashing, crashing wave to it in the chorus. And it's, you know, if, if you're not actually screaming the lyrics, you're going to get drowned out. And it's it feels more like a power struggle. And I think that's why I like Come Together. It feels like John Lennon is fighting mm. against instrumentals. Um which sadly he didn't lose. Um, <laughs> but still one in the end. <laughs> still one in the end. Damn that Lennon. Um I think overall the quality is incredible though. I think if you took Abbey Road and threw it at someone that had never heard of the Beatles, it's essentially oh. you know, even if they hadn't 
heard the Beatles, they would know the album cover. They would know the name of the song, which is it, it does speak to the, the legacy of the album, which I suppose we yeah. should talk about at some point. Um, because I, I, I want to hear what you think. Do you think this is the best Beatles album? I don't know. Oh. I honestly don't know. Because I don't. I, I keep forgetting the albums were like, Let It Be was after this, but beforehand, like, you know, Sgt. Pepper is very good. I like that whole, like, psychedelic era of the Beatles as well. Yeah. Um, I like some of their early stuff too, where they were just kind of coming together and, and building up their, you know, their confidence and their repertory of songs. But this is definitely like, I. <laughs> I feel like with the Beatles, like with other, um, like with other bands that I love, if I start trying to pinpoint like what's what's their best album, and I'm gonna be like, okay, let me just listen to them one after the other, and then I'll I'll tell you what it is. The last album that I listen to is probably going to be the best one. <laughs> it's like inevitable. It's kind of like you know, yeah, but yeah, that one was great, but but this one is the good one. What, what, yeah. what actually, you know, now that I'm listening to this new album, this is actually the best one. Um, so as of right now, I'd probably say Abbey Road probably is their best album, especially because of the sense of finality that is behind it. Yeah. Um, even the fact that the final actual track is called The End. It's not just the end of the album itself, but it feels like the end of an era, the end of the decade. Yeah. So many things changing. The world is different from when they started like seven or eight years ago. So, you know, it's... It, I probably, yeah, damn it, damn it. Yes, for now I'll say it is, it is I'm their best. So album. glad such a, an easy question caused such a difficult response because that's what just I'm fighting inside about. of myself. <laughs> it's, um, I had the same issue as you though, where it was kind of not convincing myself to come around to thinking Abbey Road is the best album, but loving uh, Sergeant Peppers that much. Mm-hmm. Um, up until today, up until about an hour ago, it was the only Beatles album I had on vinyl, Sgt. Peppers. And it had been about two years since I'd actually given it a listen. I don't, you know, I think it's just where I'm at with my music currently is I'm not pulling out the Beatles to put them on the vinyl player in the same sense I'm not pulling out the Beastie Boys, um, <laughs> which I might do actually after this. Uh, but the, a little treat. I, I treat myself. Bit of, uh, bit of Beastie Boys, go on. Bit of... um. Sabotage. Uh, but as far as the Beatles go, it's the only Beatles albums I own are Sgt. Pepper's. And then when my granddad knew I was getting into vinyl, he was like, oh, we've probably got some in the attic. And I have an original print of Don't Let Me Down and Get Back, which is oh, nice because nice. Don't Let Me Down's my favourite track. And it's got the crackle on it, nice Apple records, just blissful. Um, it's That's one lovely. Of the, it's one of the few things I'd save in this room if there was a house fire. Um don't let me down and get back myself. Pro- probably this potted plant that I nicked out of the bathroom. Um, sorry, it's called a soccer. I've, I've knocked this over so many times that I'm drunk. But soccer plant? Soccer plant. It's from Ikea. It's an Ikea plant. plant. Um, Love it. I've got to I've, preserve life, you know. Yeah, it's, it's not real, you know. It's like... It's sinking into this... Anyway, what was I on about? Abbey Road, yeah. Um, <laughs> <You'd>, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think, like, like you said, it's the finality of it. It's an incredibly sad album. Mm. Um, you know, knowing that these are the tracks that they last put together, 
knowing that this is essentially how many tracks are on this? About fourteen, I want to say. It's like yeah, fourteen, fifteen. Eleven um. plus six, seventeen. Maths is not my strong suit. Seventeen tracks. Well, well it's sixteen. We'll not count Her Majesty for obvious reasons. <laughs> but um, it's an incredibly sad album because for all that Octopus's Garden is really jolly, it's Ringo singing about how he wants to spend the rest of his days with his friends. R- remove the under the sea, but he actually. Is, is lamenting the, the death of the Beatles. It's a very rugged, bittersweet track, mm-hmm. which just so happens to be about fucking octopus. I digress. <laughs> um, it's it's tender in all the right spots. You know, you look at something, yes. something in the way she moves is a beautiful lyric by Harrison, who would go on to be for a brief period the most successful of the four individually. With um, all things must pass the year after. Um, it's. I think the the reason it's so tender though, and it's like you know, I it's hard to talk about the legacy of the Beatles without talking about the people that love the Beatles because the people that love the Beatles are on the same level as the Bob Dylan fans. They are how do I word this nicely? They are dedicated, extremely so, to preserving a legacy that they had no part in making, but now carry the torch of. Mm-hmm. I, I respect that a lot. I I really do. I have a lot of respect for people that are gonna base their whole lives around the Beatles. Um, but what they do and how they manage to keep hold of that is essentially by, you know, keeping the songs in check, keeping, you know, Abbey Road was not the best received on its release. It was a commercial success, but, you know, eh. over mm-hmm. time it's it's grown and grown. Naturally, it's, it's landed itself in a spot where it's, a really, really touching album for people that care about the Beatles as people. Um, and I think that will always elevate it. If you really do have love for uh, George, John, Paul and Ringo, um, there is something to be said about the legacy of the album as something that people emotionally attach themselves to. Um, but even then, you don't have to be a fan of the Beatles to love and understand Abbey Road. It's a very technically strong album. Not as in technically as in like, oh, well, it's technically. It, literally, the technicalities of the album, the broad strokes and the minor details that put it together are just so sincerely creative and thoughtful that uh, just as an enjoyer of music and sounds, it, it's very hard not to think, well, fuck me, they've done something here. Um, which isn't a new thought. Everybody everybody probably thinks that. There's, there's very few people I can imagine hate Abbey Road. Um, They're I sad people. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I could... <laughs> Everyone's entitled to their opinion, but there are certain opinions that are just wrong. Let's be fair. Like, Abbey Road, at best, is an alright album. Oh, at yep. worst, sorry, it's an alright album. Um, I can't think of anybody that actively hates it or the Beatles. Overrated, maybe, but it has a reason for its reputation. It has a reason that people are going back to it today that is inescapable. Um, also, what is inescapable about Abbey Road is the, the finality of it. It is four people that have worked together on quite good albums in the past, essentially saying, all right, that's it now, farewell. Um, you know, they would go on to collaborate later. Um, mm-hmm. I know George, George Harrison and Ringo started when we was fab um, in the late 80s for Cloud Nine, which is a good song, nice callback, but it's not Abbey Road. It's not this is the peak for all four Beatles members. This is their peak, especially fucking Ringo. He's being torn up. He's being dragged up. <laughs> tied man. a rope round his waist and slung him over. Um, it's a real, 
rugged piece of appreciation. Beatles fans will love it because they care for the people behind it and want to know about the details. Music lovers will love it because there is an inescapable impact to the quality of the tracks on this album. It is inescapable, uh, for good or for ill. It's not something we can get away from. Um, (laughs) It's here to stay. Which, it is here to stay. And actually, you know what? That brings me on quite nicely to my penultimate question. I don't know why I did jazz hands for that. That was very strange. But I think it's... It's the wrong genre. Now, I've... (laughs) Make a rock hand. I think I I know know the answer to this question. Um, but I want to ask it for the sake of consistency, because for every episode I am going to ask is there an album by the same artist or in the same genre that is better than this and should it be replacing it on the list of a thousand one albums so is there an album out there Nick, from the Beatles or in the same genre that should replace Abbey Road I no <laughs> <laughs> Like even in their in their discography, are there other Beatles songs? Actually, uh, other Beatles albums in the in the list. I didn't double check that actually. There are other um, Beatles albums on the list. Um, off the top of my head, um, Sergeant Pepper's White Album, Revolver, Rubber Soul. Um, I think the only real contender for it for something that should be on the list is um, Magical Mystery Tour, but that was a TV soundtrack. Um, mm. Even then, it's one of their best albums. Um, Hard Day's Night is also on there as well. Um, That's a good one, actually. Yeah. So it's they're it's, already all on it. They're know? all on. Yeah, the only ones you're missing essentially are um, the motion picture soundtrack to Yellow Submarine. Um, I I'm gonna double check. I'm not sure if Please Please Me is on the list, but um, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, and I will be wrong again. <laughs> Um, yeah, I wonder if the if the book itself is a bit biased towards them. Like, well, I, I the think things, a bit, a bit yeah. of sake of variety could be interesting, even though all of their albums are important in one way or another. Um, so their first I do wonder album if... is with the Beatles, but yeah, you're right. It's, yeah, they have. I'll double check. One, two, three, four, five, six. They've got seven albums on this list. Um, they made a total of. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, twelve. Seven out of twelve albums on a list. It's a, um, over half of them. <laughs> I'm not really? doubting that their legacy is worth having that many albums on the list. What I am doubting is if something like With the Beatles should be on the list. Now I know I think we're both confirming Abbey Road, that's for the list, that's staying on here. There is a very well deserving. Very yeah. well deserved. It's a good bit of music that Abbey Road is. Um, what I am questioning, though, is how much elsewhere do they have a legacy? And I'm sure we'll talk about this on other episodes when we get round with the Beatles. Mm. Um, should we confirm now, though, that Abbey Road probably shouldn't be replaced by the motion picture soundtrack to Yellow Submarine, Beatles for Sale, or Please Please Me? Actually, Beatles for Sale might be on the fucking list. <laughs> uh, no, it's not. It's not on the list. Okay. Hey, see, uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah. That that motion picture soundtrack, you know, like that film is weird. It's I'm not necessarily in a good way for me. I think it's the, the it's the dubbing of the voice actors they got. Yeah, it reminds me of the Beatles. Of, um, Fantastic Planet, which came out a couple of years afterwards. Just that, style. which is pretty good. They're very. Good I like film, Fantastic yeah. Planet. But... Um, even <laughs> then, though, it's. Uh, 
Yellow Submarine, the actual album for the soundtrack, it had All You Need Is Love on it and Hey Bulldog, which are, again, very great Beatles songs, but there's no need. There's just no need to be hiding stuff like that on there. No, Um, no. (laughs) But I suppose Abbey Road, definitely on the list. Can we lock that in? We'll get the first, well, second album confirmed and down. Um, The seal of approval. We have the seal of approval. That's done and dusted. Um... There's only one last question then, really, isn't there? What is the best track on Abbey Road? It's a very easy question. It's it's Her Majesty, obviously. It's, you know, at done? the end, right, short, thanks very much for listening. That's sweet, <laughs> memorable, stays with you. You definitely go back to it multiple times. No, like, to be honest, part of me is really... Probably for nostalgia's sake, I'd say Here Comes the Sun. Yeah. Because it's one of the very few, like, truly positive songs in here. Outside of just the, the actual music in itself, just the lyrics. Beautiful, hopeful, yeah. joyful. You get to the B side, it's like, hmm, here comes the sun, and then it's just that it's darkness. <laughs> the sun is left. Um, it's a but... nice palette cleanser to I Want You to So Heavy, which is yes. a very abrupt prog rock, terrifying track. To come into acoustic yeah. melodies from George Harrison is reassuring. That's probably like, yeah, but was underground. It almost feels like, uh, I want you, she's so heavy. Like, he could yeah. go on forever for like another half an hour and you just get lost in it, just in a daze. That's the thing. Um, it's, it's a, you can't help but get lost in that track. It's, it, it, it was essentially up to them to cut it when they did. Because um, <laughs> I would have listened to that for another like 10 minutes. Because that, that riff is just builds and it looks like it's going somewhere but it's got nowhere to go and it's lovely it's great i think there's probably like a, a 10 hour version of it on youtube oh, if you I search hope for so. it. um, um, it'll be in the but, special edition of abbey road or something yeah i can see that um <laughs> but honestly i'd probably like here comes the sun for those reasons but i'd very much tie it with something yeah and I think not only because it's, it's as we mentioned, like everything the simplicity of it the the beauty of 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 the of the music itself but also just the opening, the opening chords in it, like that's yeah. that's Beatles. Like you listen to it, and instantly it just clicks. It soothes you a little bit. It's like yeah. ah, something that da, 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 da. it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it just uh, gives me a bit of a bit of uh, respite, a bit of joy, a bit of quiet. It, it does, so I'd, especially I'd probably say something. Something is that. That's the favorite. Definitive, yeah. Definitive something. That's it. All right. Okay. Well, what was all that about? With here comes the sun. <laughs> it's nostalgia. That's the nostalgia, nostalgia talking. Yeah. It's five-year-old yeah. Nick. <laughs> Just comes out sometimes. <laughs> it's you reminding yourself of car insurance adverts. The, the glory days. Um, Beautiful no, I, times. I would have said something as well mm. had I not given the album another listen. Um, something for a long time was. There's no how, something for a long time was something I would listen to a lot. It's like that mm. just doesn't make sense in my head. Um, I would always put it in playlists I would make for people. You know, it was like it, it not obviously not like a house party playlist. Like give me your best fast rated tracks. It's like a bit of George Harrison <laughs> for you um, It was sneaking in. It's like if if someone was like, "What make me a playlist of like your favorite songs?" Even though I hadn't listened to the Beatles in ages something would always drop in there um mm. and it's not until recently that i've actually started listening to the beatles again and i think it's i'm glad i bought abbey road and, and listened to it yesterday because 
it, it is a special song, and I don't I don't have any particular memories with it. I don't have any place I associate with it, but I do have those moments of like, oh, what's your favorite song? It's like something. Um, but after listening to it yesterday, oh, darling, for mm. Paul McCartney's voice on that track is stunning. It is amazing. I like. I can't get over his vocal range, which he still has. I, I'm adamant that he does. You just got to listen to McCartney 3 in Egypt Station to realise that the man has not lost his voice, as glass oh, yeah. viewers may have thought. Um, <laughs> but Oh Darling is such a, a stunning lament. It, it is one of my favourite tracks. Probably top five for the Beatles. Um, wow. The only other one that comes close probably is I want you to show her. She's short. She's sorry, turn it short. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> she's so heavy. Um, yeah, I want you. She's so heavy, um, which is great. It's so good. I remember on Beatles Rock Band playing that, and it goes on and on and on and on. It's true challenge, right there. And obviously, you know about my bad wrists. You know, not not the best these days. A bit of carpal <laughs> tunnel settling in, but um, I blame Beatles Rock Band for the wrist issues that I've got these days. That's solely the Beatles' fault. That's where it began. It did. The yeah. root of all evils. I, th- I think if I had to rank it, three, two, one. Sorry, there's okay. a spider on my roof. Um, <laughs> I want you to show Heavy's third. I think I'm I'm gonna have to put Odal on second, and then something's gonna go first because of the relationship that I've made up in my own mind over the few years of knowing it. Um, hmm. But to be fair, something always reminds me of George Harrison's solo work, and George Harrison's solo work is stunning. It is remarkable. He's one of the great lyricists that is overshadowed by the two even better lyricists in his own band and <laughs> a drummer. Um, can you tell I don't like Ringo? <laughs> so much Ringo slandering here. Poor he's, man. I got an email from his press team that he's like, oh, he's got a new LP out. You know, it's like, that's good for him. That's uh, I'm going to listen to PJ Harvey now. It's just a pat on the back. Nicely done, Ringo. That's your age. It always like it's the one joke Family Guy did quite well was um, Beatles <laughs> in the recording studio. And it's like, oh, guys, have written a song. It's like that's wonderful, Ringo. We'll pop that on the fridge right there where everyone can see it. It's like I wouldn't even put it on the fridge, <laughs> but straight to the trash. You know, having listened Good to his solo stuff, which by the way, none of it's on the Thousand One Albums list. Um, ah, what a shame. <laughs> um, a lot of it weirdly problematic lyrics um mm. really strange um anyways abbey road not a bad album is it it's all right no replacement needed we can tick that one off that's a, a well done yeah. to the minds behind the thousand and one albums list and a very well done for us um and i'm sure you've got more opinions on a similar wavelength to that. do you want to do you want to tell all our lovely lovely listeners where they can find you on the old socials of course of course you can find me on twitter and instagram at nickygrand97 and there you can find my link tree which has links to everything that i do i make short films i write reviews and essays and i also host uh together with you on here the death adaptation podcast where every two weeks we take one classic book and compare and contrast it against its cinematic adaptations. So definitely check that out as well. 
Uh, there's not going to be that many bad music opinions on my Twitter, but <laughs> if you like movies, if you like games, then definitely check that out. Yeah. We do indeed host Death by Adaptation, both of us, unless there's... Unless I go out drinking, <laughs> um, you deserve a break every once in a while. We well, yeah, um, you know, reading four different adaptations of Beauty and the Beast, or going out and getting pissed in a in a field, you know, um, same feeling. What can you do? Um, <laughs> for people that want to follow me on the old socials, um, they can if they want. Sorry, I was writing something on a piece of paper because I've got to read it out. <laughs> Um, so you can follow my Twitter account at Ewan Gledo, E-W-A-N-G-L-E-A-D-O-W you'll know it's me because it's got a little blue tick next to it hey. or you can get me on Letterboxd at the same name just without the verified badge um, you can find my writing however you can find that on Cult Following uh, The Geek Show uh, Clapper Daily Star, Newcastle World and a couple of other places that I've forgotten the name of but you can also Follow the podcast Twitter, which I genuinely, literally just wrote down at the time of recording. I've not even made the account, but I'm going to hope that I can use at DLTT pod on Twitter. I'm going to hope DLTT pod on Twitter. I hope. I'm going to make that now, I think. I mean, you're verified. You can just write to Mr. Twitter and tell him to give it to you. Just cancel the other account, Twitter. Who who owns Twitter these days? It's not Elon Musk anymore, is it? Uh, I don't know. Let's be fair. This this recording, we're we're doing this before Venice. This will be released after Venice. So I don't know if Twitter will be a thing in that era next month. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, it's been lovely chatting to you about this, Nick. Thank you very much. I'm just watching the, the timer tick over and I'm just seeing if I can get it to 50 minutes so I'm uh, <laughs> filibustering and filling up our period of time together because I know we've got a meeting after this um, so yeah. you, you get to hear me unrecorded um, where I swear <laughs> unfiltered. I sound like this <laughs> um, but no thank you very much for appearing on essentially the, the first episode of this that has a guest um, hey. Hopefully, thank you for having me I've not put you this off was, so this was fun and I'm looking you don't forward have to, to lie. <laughs> It's like, oh, there's a gun to my head. <laughs> there is not. You're in a different country <laughs> to me. I, I, that's a very long rifle. Um, No, lovely. I think that's the end of it. I don't really know how to end these things, so I might just click stop. <laughs>